there. This is Cassia. And this is Brian. Welcome to The Oven Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Spoiler alert for the Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films, TV shows, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. Hello there, Brian here. Wanted to take a quick minute to remind everyone that the Ebon Hawk podcast merchandise shop is open. Uh, right now we've got a couple of items in there. We've got our logo t-shirts uh, available in a lot of really awesome colors. We've got some new hats available as well that has the uh, Ebon Hawk right there front and center looking pretty good. And then we also have our Ebon Hawk podcast pins, our first ever foray into pins. Those are available. So Go check all of that stuff out. It's really awesome, and we appreciate it. The link to the merchandise shop is available in our Instagram bios, or you can just go to ebonhawkpodcast.square.site and take a look for yourself. Thanks, and may the Force be with you. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Ebon Hawk. Today, we are joined by an extra special guest. We're very excited to have Marcus here with us today. So Marcus is a movie reviewer and a TV uh, show reviewer, he's uh, got a website, and he's also the creator of a really amazing audio drama podcast uh, all about Jolie Bindo. So, Marcus, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Hi. How y'all doing? Uh, this is really awesome. I love the podcast, and it's really an honor to be here. Oh, awesome. Yeah, uh, we're definitely excited to have you. So, um, I first kind of learned about uh, you and the podcast. You were on... Uh, a YouTube episode of um, the on the Always Believe YouTube channel, yes. and you mentioned the, and you mentioned this <laughs> podcast, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Another Star Wars podcast. I'll have to go check that out. And then you said it revolved around the uh, adventures of a young Padawan by the name of Jolie Bindo, and I was like, wait, like Jolie Bindo from Knights of the Old Republic, Jolie Bindo. I was like, now I definitely <laughs> have to go check this out. So, oh yes, that that. I'm so glad you shout out Always Believe. Ashley and Brian are awesome people, and I would love for you guys to meet them. They're they're great. <laughs> so, Yeah, they're fantastic, and I love their uh, uh, YouTube channel. Um, now, on that particular video, I, I believe you guys were trying to ride like all the rides or see how many rides you could do in a day. Oh, yeah. That was... It, it's been since the parks of Disneyland were closed for over a year. You kind of lose that... Uh, <laughs> the the attractions bod or like the physicality of just like going to every single ride inside the theme park for the whole day and just like yeah i'd have so much energy left and then you're just like by the end yeah (laughs) we did about 17 but it's still a great video wow yeah for sure it it takes a lot out of you you know walking around in and doing all those rides so i have to ask then uh disneyland what's your favorite ride you're going for the day you can only do one what's what's the ride going to be Funny enough, it's not going to be Star Wars. It's going to be Indiana Jones. Because that right there, that was the first attraction that I went on whenever I first uh, went to Disneyland. And I fell in love with it. And then I did a giant circle around the park. So Indiana Jones will be it. A close tie would be Rise of the Resistance. But it'll always be Indiana Jones. (laughs) Okay. Oh, that's a good 
pick. Um, I love Disneyland because I feel like you can get it done in a day, maybe a weekend, you know. Uh, Disney World is kind of more like... Oh, you need a full month. <laughs> I mean, you can't do a full month, but I mean, if you have like closer to a week, you could do Disney World that way. But I, I miss Disneyland a lot. It's funny because I went there like President's Day, like 2020, when there was just rumors of, you know, like a, a coronavirus. Yeah. And, uh, we're like, eh. Is that going to come here? Probably not. It was kind of like the uh, whole thing with Ebola. Everybody's just like, it's not going to get us. It's, it's getting close. It's not going to get us. And it didn't get us. Thank God. But yeah. um, <laughs> with Disneyland, I, I with Disney World, yeah, you're going to need a week. But when I first did it, I did it. I went in from park open, I think it was like 7 o'clock or something like that, 7 a.m. And then mm-hmm. all the way till close, which was at 9 o'clock. So I did both parks in one day. Almost every single attraction. There are a few I missed, but I did like Indiana Jones two or three times. <laughs> oh, yeah. And definitely if you have like a fast pass or you do the single rider line, like you can go. Single on rider is what Jones. I did. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Disneyland is the best place to to be single. You know, like you can do so many rides in like half the time. It's amazing. I have to say my favorite Disneyland ride is probably... Uh, Big Thunder Mountain. Ooh, so, all right, okay. Do you stare That's at the a... goat? <laughs> uh, yeah, like, and we connect, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. See, I've never been to Disneyland, so I've only ever been to Disney World. So, uh, when I go, Marcus, you're gonna have to give me all of your tips and tricks for making the most out of my time there. All right, then. Just show up extremely early before the park opens. If it opens at seven, get there by six thirty. <laughs> Perfect. I I can do that because I'm an early bird. So, so we here at the Ebon Hawk Podcast, uh, we have a big focus on Knights of the Old Republic and just Star Wars in general. And Marcus, I have the feeling that uh, you are a gentleman that is big into Star Wars. So, how did you get into it? Just a little bit into Star Wars, just just a tiny bit. Ah, <laughs> uh, so my Star Wars story starts when I was, oh man. I want to say probably six years old, and the first time I saw A New Hope, I thought it was cool, but I was connected to it for some reason, but I didn't really understand it, per se. Mm -hmm. But then Empire Strikes Back, I had the least memory of, like seeing, because it went from A New Hope to Return of the Jedi, like really quickly. So... Then whenever the movies were on VHS back this time, yes, I'm that old. When we had them on VHS, uh, the original versions, the only versions that should exist, uh, small rant. (laughs) Um, I was over in one of my friends' uh, house, Russell. He had the movies, and we watched them over and over and over again. But the one that stuck out to me the most was Return of the Jedi. Now, I have owned Return of the Jedi in many iterations, all the special editions, and that one just spoke to me and I consider it to be the best of the original trilogy because you have mm-hmm. the heart of the of Luke Skywalker being tested while his friends are you know trying to reconnect you have all the drama there the reveal of you know brother and sister and the drama between Luke and Darth Vader which is Anakin and you see that inner tor- turmoil between inside you know the darkest villain of the trilogy but yet he has a heart. He's not truly evil. Once he mm-hmm. realizes he finds his son, 
something about that just just got to me and then i loved it ever since and then fun quick story uh me and my friend russell whenever we whenever return of the jedi was out there and the lightsabers luke skywalker lightsabers they only released those as far as i remember we were in the backyard of his house and uh, <laughs> of course kids being kids we hit the heck out of those lightsabers back and forth but he broke his in two hits so it was like one two and he went oh. for a backspin backspin swing and I ducked, and he has like a patio behind it, behind me, and he hit the wooden plank on the patio, broke his saber in half. Mine was just dented up, and I was like, ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> so that means you won the lightsaber battle, that Bingo. I think, by default, right? Yes. Now, I remember I had a couple of the episode one lightsabers, and I mean, oh, yeah. those... Those lightsabers, you know, back then, your uh, Luke lightsaber aren't anything like the lightsabers you can get today, right? But it had like the, it's like the plastic tube and it kind of slid out. But yeah, I mean, you hit those things like once or twice and they were, they were done for. So. Oh yeah. The, yeah. Oof, the Luke Skywalker one, that one was like very thin in plastic. But whenever the Qui-Gon one came out during episode one, those bad boys, I still have it. It's still mm-hmm. pretty strong to hit stuff. So that's good plastic. <laughs> that's uh, right Qui-Gon it's a it's a nice ergonomically designed saber yes probably the best like up there with Revan I would say mm. <laughs> like yeah. the Sith saber Revan not the like trident purple one not the fancy one <laughs> well, we can get gaudy with lightsabers why not <laughs> that's right exactly and so yeah so that's a really good introduction to Star Wars now I'm uh, going to go out on another limb here. Uh, you do uh, an audio drama story about a young Padawan, Jolie Bindo. I'm going to assume that you're a big fan of Knights of the Old Republic as well. Uh, how did you get into that? Was it a game that you've played or just kind of a story that you followed? Or Knights of the Old Republic is by far the best Star Wars game ever created. I dare anybody to challenge me on that because... Just the trailer alone, whenever whenever the Xbox and stuff like that was coming out, um, I didn't have an Xbox. As a child, you know, my parents, they had enough to support us, and I lived a very good life as a child. I mean, I learned what patience was, because mm-hmm. if I wanted a video game or a console, it would be like, okay, you want it, and it's January, you have to wait until the end of the year, so my parents could save up and get it for me. And I was always patient, so I saw all the commercials for like Halo and Chronicles of Riddick and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. it was the one commercial for... Knights of the Republic that just blew my mind. It was, if you remember it, the the commercial was just a, a Jedi standing there with his lightsaber turned on. It's like, it is up to you to choose which side. And then you just see gameplay, flashy gameplay. And at the last shot, I think it, the phrase was, the only power is worth it on Xbox or something, or the power of X. And you see Bastila and Malik like face off. I was like, what is this game? And then, <laughs> and I finally got my hands on it, and then I could not put it down. I played it over and over and over again. I think I've owned it on every single console, period. <laughs> oh, very nice. Yeah, so when it came out, I was in college, and I'd always had a PlayStation. I never had an Xbox, so mm-hmm. when it was coming out for Xbox, I was like, oh, well, that's not good because now I need to figure out how to go and get an Xbox. And, you know, being a starving college kid, I had to, <laughs> uh, like you, I had to, I had to learn uh, the Jedi skill of patience and, and just wait until I was able to 
procure one Look, later you're on. You're gonna do a milk yeah. stand, eliminate stand. You're gonna do <laughs> yeah. a paper out. So I don't care. Let's <laughs> do wash it, washing cars, whatever to mm-hmm. to get it. But yeah, played it. You know, way back then. Uh, you know, probably 2000. It's probably like 2004 by the time I got it and played it through on the Xbox. Uh, Cassia, how did uh, just from Marcus and everyone you know tuning into this episode? How did you get into Knights of the Old Republic? Uh, so I was on the bus and my friend was telling me about a new game, like a new Star Wars game that was like the best game he's ever played. I was like, oh, tell me about it. And he's like, kind of like, oh, it's like, there's like all these different like pieces of armor you can find and equip. It's kind of like a, an RPG. And I was like, an RPG? Wow. You know, and it's like, you get to travel to all the planets and he was just really hyping it up. And he's like, oh, it's a great story. And he's like, do you want to hear the spoiler? I'm like, eh, why not? You know, like, I'll see if I am able to pick it up, you know? So he told me the spoiler. And then, like, later on, I was like, I'm going to get this for Christmas. Like, it it looks awesome. Uh, And I played through the game, loved it. And I played through the second one, loved it. And, uh, yeah, like, even though, like, literally, I think the third thing I heard about the game was the spoiler it still it still shocked me because i'm like eh, they, they won't mm, do it. oh then yeah they did it and <laughs> it's, like, it, it's still like one of the best <laughs> one of the best twists that i think happens in uh any game period really yes yeah absolutely yeah the way it's pulled off even even if you do know it's definitely worth uh anyone listening out there if you've never played through it it's worth playing through even if you know kind of how the story unfolds uh just to experience it for sure so yes it's it's guys if y'all haven't played knights of republic and you're listening to these episodes what's wrong with you go and play it if you have an xbox (laughs) it's on the marketplace if you have a pc get it on uh what's the uh gaming system on, on steam yeah. steam on yes steam. and you can play it on mobile yeah. if you got an android yeah. or mobile and android yeah. yeah they're always having sales get it uh, that's the so. point <laughs> yeah 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 just get it and i mean you can just uh just look at like the nice picture of it the little icon on your phone or something that'll be good even the poster is uh, amazing <laughs> yeah uh-huh. exactly and uh when you're done playing it on your phone what you should do then is go to your favorite podcast provider and Download all the episodes of Holocronicles of a Jedi because it's amazing. So, Marcus, tell us about uh, this project. How did it come to be? Where did you get the idea? Uh, what the inspirations were? I just I want to know all about how this thing went from Jolie Bindo is amazing to this whole thing. Well, it actually started from kind of my yearning to see good Star Wars stories being told. Now, of course, I won't go into it, but I will say, basically, the sequel trilogy started off with great hope and then was disappointing by the end of it. So I was like, okay, there's there's room to tell great stories, and nobody's really tapped, you know, into certain characters that are outside of, you know, the main the mainstream of, you know, your Skywalkers, your, your, your Calrissian, your Solo. I mean... Mm-hmm. L- Let's explore. And that's what Knights of the Republic did for me. And then playing it, Jolie and his brash and sarcastic ways and just being a grumpy old man. Uh, but the great thing about it is that he was hilarious. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't stop having him in my party and ask him questions, even though he'd be like, stop staring at the old man, damn it. <laughs> um, I, I always loved that character. So listening to him tell his story, I was like, wow, this is... 
this is actually pretty epic. This would be a great movie someday. And I know probably it's never going to happen, or you never know, it might actually happen someday. And I thought, you know what? I would love to tell his story. So as a uh, right whenever Force Awakens was coming out, I decided to do a fan film, Star Wars fan film of something I just created, and mm-hmm. then did it called uh, Game of Attrition. If you ever want to check it out, it's not that great, but it's still fun to, to look at. Uh, so it led to me playing Knights of Republic more and doing more research and then looking up on Wikipedia and then seeing how big his story was in just one giant mm-hmm. paragraph. Fell in love with it. And then I thought, okay, how can I tell this story without, you know, driving myself insane or trying to do it for real? Then my closest friends got me a microphone because they've always told me, it's like, hey, you have a radio voice. Like, you got to be a voice actor at some point. Like, go for that dream. And then with the microphone that you hear me speaking to you on right now, this is the one that they bought me. And I told them, it's like, you know what? I have an idea for a show. And then did the research on Jolie and then came up with a name and then Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi was born. Taking Jolie's story, adapting it with a few tweaks here and there to make it more, you know, digestible and easier to create. Mm-hmm. I decided to just do it and then put my voice acting skills to the test and create something fantastic for everyone to hear if nobody heard it that's fine i had fun making it but you guys did and here i am yeah and it it does uh sound amazing so uh, after i found out about the uh project and i got it and i i saw you know kind of how long it was and stuff i was like i need to really sit down and listen to this because i can do like podcasts kind of just in the background like if i'm driving or mm-hmm. you know doing doing yard work or something i can kind of digest that but doing like an audiobook or uh, something like an audio drama uh, absolutely like what you had going on i was like i need to actually sit down and listen to this so it was a nice day i popped in the headphones went and sat outside and just listened to it and it was fantastic and why thank you <laughs> Well, you're very welcome. The sound design on it is great. The sound effects, um, the voices. Are you doing all of the voices? Every voice you hear is me. Okay. Uh, so so that's awesome. So how did you get started like putting it together? Was that something that you had done professionally or like in school? Or did you just have to kind of learn on the fly how to do this? Or Well, like the great Robin Williams, I just, I just do voices from time to time and just have fun <laughs> doing it. Um, (laughs) um, I just, just, it was basically born out of, uh, improvisation actually, because, Mm -hmm. uh, working on a podcast that me and my friends did a long time ago, I don't think it's up anymore, but that experience taught me how to do podcasting and how to record, how to set up, how to drop sounds in and out, sound cues and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing and I don't know what I'm doing, but I do, so let's try it. And then, of course, it's like, do or do not. There is no try. And I did it. And then here we are. And plugging in the sounds and stuff, that was easy, but also hard to track them down. Like, you can find plenty of lightsaber mm-hmm. sound effects and ships and stuff like that. But for the ambiance, for it to long, for it to like to go, like in the first episode of Hollow Chronicles, of me, of uh, Jolie standing out on a balcony, and you can hear the cars and the ships flying a- across the landscapes and cityscapes of Coruscant. I could recreate that, 
but that's going to take forever. So let's go see if somebody made an ambience version of it. And YouTube is plenty of those. So I just borrowed, borrowed without asking from YouTube. <laughs> and yeah. then they're all here. Uh, where did the word, how did you come up with the word holochronicles? <laughs> that one, uh, again, improvisation. I looked at <laughs> uh in Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland, you know, they sell the holocrons and, you know, with the crystals, you put them in there and you can hear all their all the knowledge. I was like, you know what? This could be a great show, like Chronicles of a Jedi or something like that. The jo the original title was the Jolie Chronicles. I have my notebook over here right next to me. I can look at it. But uh, <laughs> um, it was like the Jolie Chronicles. I was like, mm, I like Chronicles. Uh, I, I got to come up with something different. And I looked at the holocron and I was like, I wonder if anybody's put this together. Typed it up. Nobody did. Yes. So let's slam those words together. Hollow Chronicles of a Jedi and then done. Yeah. That's great. And um, I'm a big fan of the, I don't do quite as much uh, actual reading of like physical books as I should, but mm -hmm. I do love a good audiobook, um, in particular the audio dramas. So anyone who's uh, listening to this podcast who hasn't rushed right out and started listening to Hollow Chronicles yet, if you've listened to like the Dr. Afra like audiobook or what is it? Is it um, uh, Dooku Jedi, Jedi yeah. Lost? Um, you know, kind of those um, more of like the audio play type of things. Uh, your stuff fits right in with that. And I think that that's awesome. So, Oh, I thank you. I, I got a question for you guys. So whenever, okay. uh, aside from like uh, audio dramas and stuff like that, when you actually do read a book, am I like not the only one that actually like assigns a voice to each character and you can hear them as you're reading the, the story? Yeah, of course. Uh, like, and sometimes it's like when I when I really am thinking about it, it's like I visualize a character this way, and then I'm like, then the character is described, and it's like they have red hair, and I was like, oh wow, I'm like imagining them as like a kind of like black hair, you know, like mm -hmm. or like with this voice, and then you hear them in the audio book or, or or a movie, and I'm like, that's that's very different, but yeah. Yes. Okay. It's funny because earlier this year, I really kind of jumped headfirst into getting through like all of the like the canon uh, books and comics and stuff. And I've done the bulk of those on audiobook form. So whenever I read a book um, or read an ebook, I'm always in my head like like yes. make the voices sound like the voice actors that are doing those books. Mm. And can you see? Can, can here here's my question for you guys whenever you're listening to hollow chronicles and this was one of my major things that i wanted to achieve is that when you're listening to it as big huge star wars fans as you are you can see coruscant you can see you know the planes of like eucatus or something like that even though it hasn't been shown but the way uh, jolie describes it you could see it is that mm -hmm. is that true for you guys like as you're listening to the audio you can picture it and see it like on screen in front of you Oh, very true. Uh, it's it's like a good radio drama, you know, oh, like you. <laughs> uh, you, you capture the story, the the voice and uh, just the ambiance and like I can see what's happening as it's being told. It's it's a it's an experience. I, I love listening to it. Thank you. <laughs> it's one of those things like especially with the with the added um, sounds, because Star Wars sounds are so iconic. I mean, you can play you know, a hundred different Star Wars sounds. And, mm -hmm. you know, at least people like us would instantly be like, oh, that's the sound from Coruscant or that's the sound from Kashyyyk or that's this sort of weapon or, you know, anything like that. So yeah, it just, it 
definitely uh, sweeps you up into the story. Oh, you know what a speeder bike sounds like. You know what an E-11 blaster sounds like. It's like, yeah, it's like, this is Star Wars. You should know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And uh, so Star Wars, obviously a big passion of all of ours, but uh, film is uh, another passion of yours. So you have a website and you do film reviews and uh, television reviews and uh, all sorts of good stuff like that. Do you have a favorite movie um, or a favorite genre of movies that you like to talk about, that you like to review more than others or well the thing is is that uh my taste in film is eclectic i can go all over the spectrum i mean musicals is one of my all-time favorite genres since uh being a theater kid you know you're in the the yearly musical uh, annie mm-hmm. or uh crazy for you and stuff like that but uh favorite films i i tend to lean towards uh action sci-fi fantasy that's that's where i lean to but i do take a break from that and go into comedies and dramas and stuff like that favorite uh movie that comes to mind immediately it's a tie between blade and blade 2 it's like i love those films so much okay but of course out of in the terms of star wars it's going to be return of the jedi <laughs> yeah uh now uh, what's your uh, what's your hype level for the uh new blade that's uh coming our way here uh, which new blade? Is uh, isn't there one with uh, Marshall oh, Ali? Oh, oh, isn't that yeah, in yes, the- yes, blade. Um, I okay. Since <laughs> <laughs> I am cautiously optimistic, I love what Marvel has been doing with their movies. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Some are good. Some are all right. Some are amazing. But with Blade, it's such a huge scare for me because i love mahershala ali he's one of the best actors out there funny enough he was already in the marvel universe as cottonmouth on luke cage and oh, yeah. fun, funny enough how those two don't really connect into the mcu but that's all producer stuff anyway um with blade he is a very very r-rated character it's like saying let's do the punisher pg-13 wherever you shoot someone they just fall down and look like they just tripped and fell and there's no blood Right. No, you can't do that. He destroys, kills, maims, murders all different vampires in bloody fashion and sometimes explosive fashion. And he curses a lot. So I want it to be fully R-rated. Now with the news of, you know, Deadpool coming to the MCU and he will be rated R, that gives me hope that Blade will be rated R the way it's supposed to be and not PG-13. There is a way you can do it, but it needs to be rated R. has to be. There's no other way. So that is what I'm afraid of. <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, anyone, once that finally comes out, uh, you know, everything everything's still a little uh, flexible on release dates, but they're going to have to go over to your website and uh, see what you had to think about it. Oh, yes. And it will be up there so fast. Like, um, I'll probably be typing it as I'm walking out of the theater. <laughs> well, I think that kind of wraps it up for uh, kind of the background on you. Why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll dig a little deeper into uh, Joe Lee's story on Manon. All right. Right. Uh, so in our kind of like just adaptation, we just kind of talk about how we would adapt Knights of the Old Republic just because 
we're KOTOR nerds and uh, film uh, film nerds. So how uh, how our KOTOR trilogy goes, kind of like talking about Knights of the Old Republic, the first game is it begins on the Endor Spire. You go to Terrace, kind of the city, the planet city, it ends in tragedy. And then Dantooine is kind of the midpoint of that film, kind of a calming place, you know, after Terrace. And then uh, when you go to Kashyyyk, it kind of mirrors Terrace, where it was a city, it is a jungle, and then it's a, it's a triumph, you know. And then in the second movie, we begin on Tatooine, and then we go to Manon, and then it would be the Leviathan. Um, so we go to Manon after visiting Kashyyyk and Tatooine. So we need Jolie in our party if we want to kind of dig more into his character and kick off his side quest. When you play Knights of the Old Republic, Marcus, what order do you play the game in? Basically, I play play the order of uh, the most linear version, going from, you know, Terrace to Tatooine, then Kashyyyk or Kashyyyk. And how, which one do y'all say, Kashyyyk or Kashyyyk? Both. It's Star Wars. <laughs> so. Tomato, tomato. I've always said Kashyyyk, but yeah, all good Star Wars names have multiple pronunciations for sure. It's like Han or Han. Like, uh, <laughs> Leah or Leia. And especially what Jolie, I realized is that in the games, like recording the first season of Hollow Chronicles is just like, I did it wrong. He says you, you caught us <laughs> instead of you caught us, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I got the point across anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I do it, I, I do kind of that, that standard sort of order that, you know, all of the walkthroughs uh, tell you is the best mm-hmm. way to go into, um, and when I play the game, I don't really ever bounce around, at least in Knights of the Old Republic in the first game. Um, I'll just kind of do the planet, finish it, and then move on. I don't uh, travel back and forth too much. It is fun to travel back and forth. That uh, I did try to break the cycle where it was just, um, what was it, after Terrace, then you go to Dantooine, then Tatooine. But then I jumped the gun a little bit whenever I decided to go to Tatooine. I was like, yeah, I'm not too leveled up for this. You really need to go back to... Uh, Tatooine before you get to Kashyyyk and meet Jolie because I wanted to get to my favorite character so quickly but I was like no let me let me savor this yeah <laughs> gotta get him in there uh, for sure yep Callum I, I, I'm not sure if this happens uh, maybe it's scripted but probably not I don't know if uh, Callum Nord or that the bounty hunter that uh, you encounter on Terrace uh, does he follow you all the way to Kashik, uh, or does he just stay on Tatooine whenever you see him again? Um, it's whatever the first planet you go to, Kalonord is there, and uh, then uh, Darth Brandon, I always want to call him Darth Brandon, is, <laughs> I'm trying to remember if it's the second or third planet, but <laughs> Darth Brandon, uh, yeah, so sometimes I forget when they follow you, but I think canonically in the old canon, uh, Kalonord perished on Tatooine. Okay. It's canon. <laughs> it's KOTOR canon, which is whatever we decide we want it to be. KOTOR yeah. canon is all canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have an excellent excellent voice. Your, your, your friends were spot on when they said you have a radio voice and... <laughs> Thank you it's again. Good that they invested in that microphone. So yes, and I promised them that I would do something with it, and here I am. 
So there is a side quest that Jolie has on Manon, and it happens when he runs into his old friends Elora and Sunri. Um, how do they fit into Jolie's story, like in his story and in uh, Hollow Chronicles? Well, uh, like it's said in the game, this is where my research came in. It's just that, you know, Sunri is one of Jolie's oldest friends. Whenever he be- uh, Jolie was out there, you know, doing all the exploration, uh, Sunri and Jolie met. And Sunri being a Republic soldier at the time, those two became best friends, saved each other's butts back and forth. And then eventually, once the war was over, since we're going to get to Exar Kun at some point in time, uh, after during that war, they became even stronger friends and fought. And then uh, Elora eventually came into Sunri's life. And, of course, Jolie was just like, oh, good for you. You got uh, a lovely lady at your side. Well, I have problems. Um. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Sunri, right after the war, I think he he was like an intelligence agent and got stationed on Manon or something like that, and that's how he ended up there. Uh, kind of, I think so. Part of a intelligence, yes, and sort of a retirement plan, honestly. Yeah, yeah, it's a great place to retire. Oh so. yeah, if you can get past that. <laughs> <laughs> the whole th- the whole time, but yeah, um, yeah, and it's funny when you get to Manon and you're you basically like get off of the Ebon Hawk and you walk through like one hallway, and then Alora kind of runs up, and if Jolie's not in your party, she's like, "Uh, where's Jolie? Go back and get mm-hmm. Jolie and try again with him." It's like, damn it, yeah. I forgot him. <laughs> <laughs> Who else, like, Laura comes up to you and says, like, Sunri's on trial. And you can do the detective quest and kind of discover the truth, which, you know, is kind of hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, who do you think are the best people to have in your party on that quest? And who do you think would, like, make the most sense from, like, a story perspective where you don't have to just be limited to a couple of companions? Well... I think for the two companions that you're going to have, it's like, well, the one extra one after you have Jolie, I would usually go with Juhani, but also you could have Karth, where Juhani and Karth have both a stake in it, honestly, even Bastila, but usually those two, because Juhani is my second favorite character in the, in the game, because her story is unique. Um, with Karth, you get the more Republic, you know, soldier respect and... There's a conversation, I believe, between Sunri and Karth that's kind of very uh, earth-shattering when it comes to dealing with the Republic politics and soldiers and stuff like that. But Juhani, you know, since in the the case you're dealing with the Sith operative, so Juhani being a former Sith, there you go. You kind of get that dynamic. So either one, honestly, but I usually choose Karth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a interesting perspective. Um, you don't hear so many people saying like Juhani is there, like in their favorites. Um, what's your favorite thing about Juhani's characterization and arc? Well, uh, she is. Well, when you first meet her on Dantooine, she's ready to fight and die, and yet she 
you know, yields. And it's just the, I love redemption stories. And throughout the game, as you, the more you use her, the more you find out about her is that, oh, she basically was, um, you know, pulled to the dark side and just honestly confused of what she wanted to do. She didn't really have much of a identity and chose the more powerful path. And then she starts to come around with more wisdom. It's the teachings of being willing uh, being willing to open up to more people and just wanting to experience the world that teach you that that people can teach you more about yourself than you could ever know and that's one thing i really really loved about juhani and she's always fighting to you know improve and you know just to be a good person and gets shy away from the dark side and she sees it doesn't really work out it leads to just death and destruction versus life and that's mm. why she's one of my favorites to have in the group yeah that's a good kind of characterization of her i always bring her in on the leviathan yes who i yes, usually yes, assign yes, yes, assigned yes. to do kind of the rescue mission bit J- jolie's uh bit whenever he tricks the <laughs> tricks the security guard to you know stay in the cells like well i'm not new letting you out now sonny goodbye <laughs> um but juhani is like the best bet because she can be stealthy and you can release everybody like her that's why i always make sure her stealth stats are high yeah for sure uh what about you basila who do you who do you take when oh uh, basila I, I guess i can i guess i can play basila yes you um, can um i would say uh who do i have break people out on the leviathan was that the question no just um just on manon who do you who do you take like in the game and then if we were if we were looking at this in like terms of a film who do you think would make the most sense kind of um on screen to you know help uh do some private eye work for uh jolie in this um I would say you definitely want to have Jolie there. And then I kind of think if you have the trio of Revan, Karth, Bastila, I think you can kind of like do a lot with Karth's characterization and kind of be like, have that connection. And then like Bastila, I kind of see like the Sunry trial as like, she, Bastila is kind of hiding uh, secrets about Revan and like, it's a little shady, you know? So like, I kind of like to have her deal with that. And Jolie kind of knows that Bastila knows that and, and like who Revan really is. So it's like, you could have a really fun dynamic with, uh, kind of learning about that trial. And what I love about the trial is like, it doesn't go the way you think. And, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of shady at the end, you know? <laughs> so that's that's what I think. Yeah, it never goes the way I think because I don't think I've ever won the trial, so. What? Y'all didn't do the... <laughs> the oh, wow, you let the man fry. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I always feel like I represent him to the best of my abilities, but yeah. Worst I, I, lawyer I, ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I got him off, but he he was totally guilty, you know, so. True. Yeah. yeah true yeah that's but that's okay but um if i'm doing like a movie type of a of a thing here for this section um of going through the trial um i'm with you marcus i'm going to take karth because i think that he's just interesting because you know he's a good republic soldier and we have like this weird um cassie and i refer to it a lot of times like the manon section is like uh kind of like a cold war type of a thing yeah uh, we're 
where you're having like, you know, kind of uh, battles of information and misinformation and you have Karth there. And I'm also going to have uh, T3 show up because this is his time to shine, you know, downloading some schematics and documents because T3 doesn't really have much to do. Huh. When, you're getting off, when you're getting off the Ebon Hawk, you're never like, I should probably take T3 with me. Mm-hmm. No, you're like, who has lightsabers? <laughs> That's who I'm taking with Who's me. Who's got a good blaster? Who can rip arms yeah. off of anybody that cheats on a hollow table game? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I think that uh, I think that T three on Manon's gonna have uh, some work to do. Mm. Yeah. Honestly, when we get to uh, the Manon Auto City Lo-Fi, uh, we have uh, the artist Astronautka Art uh, make you know uh, some little postcards. And what I have in mind for Manon is T uh, three is living his best life. Maybe he finds a little <laughs> little shark, you know. Uh, to have like in a glass bowl, you know, and like maybe <laughs> Jolie is talking to him. So I, I thought it would be cute. So Sharing. maybe that's what will happen. They're going to share so. security spikes with each other, you know. So, oh, you got the T3? Oh, I got the T4, honey. Yeah. yeah. It's like, Alexa, play this Republic song, you know. But. Yeah, he can uh, carry around some drinks, you know, like R2 in uh, Return of the Jedi for sure. Oh, I would love some Meluron juice, please. <laughs> In a film adaptation, like, how would you see this? Um, or I guess it could even be like a radio drama, you know? Um, how do you think the side quest would, like, play out? Well, if you ever made it. If I made it, it would be sort of in the vein of uh, Officer and a Gentleman and uh, A Time to Kill, mostly. Huh. A- aside from, you know, the Southern racism stuff like that. But it's same kind of storytelling to where you find out the facts they get dark it gets gritty but you have both opposing uh prosecutor and you know defense it's a perfect setup for a great court drama if you want to add a little uh, comedy into it like boston legal style you could but it would probably more most likely be uh more like officer and gentleman it's like you can't handle the truth he shot her he killed her (laughs) you know she did it you know he did it it's like, well, do you have do you have proof? We have a recording. Show it to me. <laughs> hmm. Th- that's where I'd go with it. Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, uh, one of the inspirations I have for kind of this section in Manon is the film Argo, uh, mm. just because just because mm-hmm. of the kind of super high tensions of everything, especially if you have Karth there, kind of on scene. You know, because you're always kind of wondering if you know something's going to send him over the edge. Um, and we also, Cassie and I, brought up whether the Sith that are on Manon would recognize Bastila, or if they would recognize Revan, or maybe even uh, Joe Lee. Uh, what do you, What do you think? Do you have any any thoughts on that? At this point, since they really, I don't, they would only recognize like the robes and stuff like that. Bastila is really, you know, well known, but not so much Jolie since he was missing for twenty years, so he wasn't really a part of the whole the Revan War. And Revan always wore well. Whenever Revan was a Jedi, he didn't wear you know the headpiece and the full on gear. But uh, whenever he became a Sith Lord, he had he his face was covered. So I could see why you know they wouldn't recognize him instantly, and. Whenever you try to go dark side, I actually tried this once. Whenever you try to go dark side, you'd be like, I am a dark lord of the Sith, and you will open the doors. It's like, you are not <laughs> a part of the Sith, you Jedi yeah. scum. Um, yeah. But basically, 
Yeah, I don't think they're as recognizable. The only one I would probably fear to be the most recognized is Bastila. But then again, Manon is kind of remote. So mm. eh, they don't really get the the news bulletins as you would think. Yeah. What about you, Cassia? Do you have any uh, insight on kind of this Jolie side quest and what it's going to play out on film-like or any kind of uh, things you'd like to see about the trial or about the investigation? If you can kind of link the Jolie side quest to the main quest, like maybe it's like this kind of dictates where you're able to go, like to be able mm. to get access to the lower levels, kind of connect it to the uh, overall plot of like finding the star map. Like, so it's critical. It's not just like, eh, I guess we could just see like, you know, do this for, you know, fun. Uh, like kind of make it like tied into like the overall quest. I like playing up the the trial and like maybe if you can get some Cold War vibes because it's kind of like Manon's literally a Cold War, you know, it's kind of like with stuff going down about below the surface and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So like on the surface, everything looks like, you know, nice and like somewhere to like have a vacation and it's all nice. But then when you kind of go beneath the surface, it's a there's like a whole lot more tensions and like. Jedi versus, or I guess not Jedi versus Sith, even though that is also happening. It's Republic versus Sith, and it's like, uh, the piece is very tenuous. They're kind of just like playing along because both sides want the Coltel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it can also mirror like where all the characters stand, like in relation to the light and dark side. Because I think a lot of people's like fates kind of hang in the balance for sure. Uh, like, Karth, if he kind of gives in to his uh, anger and distrust, like, he could definitely, you know, go dark. And Bastla is kind of being very uh, secretive and, uh, like, basically dantuing. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this in the uh, podcast a lot. Like, <gasps> Juhani and Bastila, like, the mentors on Dantooine are not doing a good job of, like, raising, you know, like, well-balanced Jedi, so that's kind of on them, honestly. And Revan was literally Revan, so. The whole entire yeah. time. <laughs> that's the most Jedi thing of all, is not being <laughs> not being uh, good role models for future generations of Jedi, I think. Yeah, the Jedi yeah. are all high and mighty and smart and full of wisdom, but can they take care of a little kid? Well, that's why even in the old <laughs> old Republic days, they passed them around different teachers. So those kids were confused. Yeah, and honestly, the most Jedi-like character, the most aligned with the light side, I would say, is Jolie Bindo, even though he's not technically a Jedi at that time. You know, kind of like... Uh, Ahsoka Tano, you know, or exactly kind of like the Qui Gon of the era. Mm-hmm. It's like I am not a Jedi, but I may carry a lightsaber and you know use Force <laughs> powers, as you may say. Let's get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> what would you see like the outcome of this trial? Like, what would you see the repercussions like having for the characters on Manon or later? Like, what do you see the fallout being? I would say. Uh, or, or Brian, do you want to take this one or should it be me? No, go go ahead. Okay. Well, since I think 
but between the three of us, I think I could probably got the best outcome. But like, yeah, Cassie, you got him off. <laughs> yeah, <by> him. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah like, for sure. Brian, you killed him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the outcome for me was like, I don't know. He's probably guilty. I'm out of here. <laughs> we sentence you to death, sir. Um, <laughs> but for me, I would think the consequences after getting Sunry off, like, okay, sure. Like, he did kill uh, Alasa. I think that's her name. He did kill that Sith operative. But mm-hmm. he is free. But at the same time, his like kind of community service kind of situation. But for the consequences of the party, I think um, nothing will probably happen to them since they were the arbiters and just, you know, part of the defense team. It's like you can't really do anything to a lawyer that's defending a, a, a the person on trial. It's like it's just legal. It's like they won. It's fair game. But if anything, if there was a consequence, I would think that. Probably there would be a shortage or something like that between the Republic and the Sith, like both sides, since they were operating on Manon, unbeknownst to the Manon government there. And so let's say we're going to tax even more on your culto shipments and stuff like that. So the Republic mm-hmm. gets hurt. So does the Sith Empire. Everybody goes off even for your characters in your group. You may be on like restricted access around the around the city itself that's about it yeah that's that's kind of what i see the outcome being kind of whether in a film whether you have the trial go with a win or with a loss i think that that's going to trick you up on on one of the sides about how you're going to need to get down to the ocean floor to find the star map Mm -hmm. yeah i kind of see the consequence maybe being like they get Sunry off even though they know he's guilty because they kind of just for the ramifications of the trial they need like things to go a certain way like so they can access where they need to go and like the consequences kind of being more like they feel like they kind of did something bad or kind of like had to do like do something morally gray mm-hmm. um like and it's like if we kind of just stretch the rules you know like, to get what we need, like, does that make us good, you know? And, like, because I, I just want the crew to feel conflicted as much as they possibly can before the Leviathan. So then there's a whole lot of, you know, drama and uh, all that when the revelation comes. Yes. I, uh, here's one thing I can see happening. Karth being like, Jolie, you know your friend actually killed a Sith Lord, Sith officer. Good. We don't need any more. And Jolie probably being like, excuse me, Karth? It's like, yeah, I know my friend killed someone, but that doesn't mean it's right. Kind of situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why Karth is interesting in this situation, because he's very he- heavy-handed on the uh, side of the Republic. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I guess we can take a quick break before we do a couple more things and yeah
Now we've got a couple of uh, feedback questions from our Instagram and from uh, Patreon. So I'm going to send these over uh, your way, Marcus. Let's see see what you have to say about these. So Old Republic Collectibles on Instagram, uh, he mentioned uh, something about Jolie and Jedi Fallen Order. So I think he might have had his timelines mixed up a little bit. But that got me thinking, um, in the game, have you played um, Jedi Fallen Order, Marcus? Absolutely. Second best uh, Star Wars game ever made. Okay. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think maybe. And <laughs> uh, and Cassia, what I actually don't know. Have you ever played Jedi Fallen Order? Um, I've definitely started it, but just like how life goes, like kind of being a busy person, like I just haven't really been able to finish. But I've definitely watched uh, the playthrough. The playthrough. Okay. What kind of Star Wars fan are you? How dare you? Destroyed me. So. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's fair. I mean, if yeah, because it's it's always hard to sit down and play a long game. But yeah, if you're able to watch the the playthrough, I, that's good because you get you know the story, which is which is really really well done. So, uh, like Marcus said, I'm I might be on board with Jedi Fallen Order as being the uh, second best Star Wars game. I don't know, but it got me thinking a little bit about um, the characters there in that game um and sierra uh junda is in that game and i i can kind of see a little bit of parallel with her and jolie right mm-hmm. so she had a padawan that uh fell to the dark side so she has kind of that guilt and loss that she's trying to deal with now she was kind of forced out of the order due to you know order 66 so a little bit different than jolie there um but yeah i started thinking i was like yeah i, I kind of see some parallels you know between her and jolie's story and kind of the things that they went through are there any other characters in star wars that you think draw some parallels to jolie or uh that you kind of see you know glimpses of jolie well with sarah it was kind of she left out of necessity so she could survive but um yeah there's definitely a parallel between those two especially uh later on down the story for jolie uh for parallels with Jolie, definitely Qui-Gon, they, like those two, I'd see those two sharing like some kind of Corellian ale or something like that at any point in time. Just talking about just the days and days in and out of dealing with the council and all the rules that they end up breaking, but they still follow the code somehow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure. that th- I think that's the reason why I really fell in love with Jolie is that he's... Not necessarily one of a kind, but he has his own style in just dealing with things. And it's just may not be I may not be in line with the, the code, but still is. Just walks that fine line. I can't really think of any other characters that can parallel with him, except for Seer from uh, Jedi Fallen Order. That that is a really good comparison, Brian. Yeah. Um and that would make sense if you see some sort of parallels with Qui-Gon, right? Because uh, episode one came out in 99. This game came out in 2003. So you know, they were most certainly sort of at least kind of storyboarding some of this. So I could see where they would have taken some inspiration uh, from, you know, those characters into the game. Uh, what about you, Cassia? Do you have any sort of parallels or other characters that you think, uh, you know, pay homage to Jolie or share kind of similar traits? I think uh, the creators of KOTOR were definitely trying to make parallels with Jolie and Yoda because it's like, you know, like a, it's a foresty kind of nature planet. 
in exile but like for me there's a whole lot more parallels with kind of an older obi-wan and maybe that's just kind of like it just happened that way but uh jolie was like a a great jedi you know did a lot but uh kind of withdrew kind of like obi-wan like just kind of like feeling guilt about the past you know but mm-hmm. kind of gets back into the swing of things you know because um, one day Luke Skywalker comes across Obi-Wan's door, you know, and he's like, uh, I need to just see how destiny plays out and I'll try to be the mentor that Luke needs that I wasn't for Anakin. Mm-hmm. And I think with Jolie, I think he's just like, oh, this guy's literally Revan. Like, I, I think he kind of just knows from the beginning he's able to put it together. He's... Oh, yeah. He's kind of... He knew. Yeah, he knew. He knew. Yeah, the whole time. So I think he's just kind of like, the Force brought Revan to me. Revan doesn't know who they are. So I'm just going to keep an eye on this and see what happens. I'm going to just try to help guide them where... The Force wills, you know, and just hope he doesn't become a Sith Lord again. Yeah. For me, you mentioned it uh, just a little bit ago, um, but I see a lot of parallels in Ahsoka, and I think that's the one that a lot of people will point to as kind of this, you know, gray Jedi, kind of, you know, kind of maybe the best Jedi, but not officially a Jedi. And I think that, you know, in her story arc, she's kind of forced out of the Jedi Order. Um, I don't know if... Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that she suffered the same kind of loss, except instead of, you know, her Padawan being lost, uh, her master was the one that was lost. And I actually think that her kind of parallels with Jolie are going to get stronger and stronger now as we see her um, potentially, you know, going forward in The Mandalorian and and in her own series that'll be coming out. I think we'll see more of kind of this uh, sort of in-the-middle Jedi who's, you know, doing all of the right things uh, despite you know, not being a official sanctioned member of the Jedi Order. It's like, yes, you can wield the power of the Force, you can fight as you were trained by Anakin Skywalker, but you're not a Jedi. And a lot of people forget about that thing about Ahsoka that's like, yeah, she's like one of the greatest Jedi. It's like, uh, for a time, yes, but now she's more of a, a nomad, if you wanna if you wanna really give it a title. Or if <laughs> you she could, honestly, and I would be okay with this, be the first official gray Jedi of Star Wars canon, and that would be perfect. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I think that that would be great. Uh, what about you, Cassia? Do you see that parallel with Ahsoka? I, you must have, because you mentioned it a little bit ago. So. Uh, most definitely. I mean, like, Ahsoka didn't exist uh, when uh, Knights of the Old Republic uh, first came about, like, obviously, but if Jolie comes back into canon, like, I, I think he's going to, like, the parallel will be there, you know? It's kind of a, a similar yet different archetype, and it would be kind of nice to see some parallelism. Lucasville, mm-hmm. are you listening? Hire yep. me. Yeah. I will be your Jolie. <laughs> yeah, you would be like my number one choice for like a Jolie voice actor. Oh, honestly. I thank you. <laughs> I'll lose the weight so. and I'll be the live action one. Please, I'll do it. <laughs> and we'll do it pretty cheap, even. So. Oh, just- Give me $5. I'll do it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, I, so I had uh, one other question here. This one came uh, from Patreon. So Jolie, um, like I just mentioned, had suffered, you know, quite a bit of loss. Uh, his wife, his Padawan that he took on, he wasn't supposed to, um, ended up turning to the dark side. 
um, and he ended up having to you know, battle her and take her out. So he ends up kind of bouncing around the galaxy for a bit before crash landing onto Kashik, Kashik. Um, and he spent like something like 20 years there. Uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, That's uh, true. but the question is, but the question is, is why, um, did Jolie decide to stay on Kashik for 20 years? Um, and do you think that he found what he was looking for in that time? Well, the thing is, uh, for Jolie, it's like, yeah, he, his wife, you know, went to the dark side and stuff like that, but he didn't have to take her out. She was slain in battle, but I, I, that will be something I address in the show at some point. Uh, but for him to stay on Kashyyyk, him crash landing there and not, he could have built a ship or found a passage off. But at that point during that, right before he stayed there for 20 years, I think he was just bouncing around the galaxy and just doing whatever odd jobs and stuff like he became basically a smuggler. So whenever he land, he had no direction in life. So it was just one of those, like, I'm just going to do whatever because I don't care anymore. But landing on Kashyyyk and staying there for 20 years, the reason why he probably stayed there for 20 years is the fact that he, with the Wookiees or Wookiees, (laughs) um, he, (laughs) he decided to, you know, bond with them and get to know them, even though they didn't really like him being there. But he decided, you know what? It's time for me to like slow down and just try to reconnect with people or different creatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, I, this is my exile. This is my stopping point. I, I need somewhere to stay. I could, he could have left at any time. He could have, but I think that was his. Just like that seems to be a, a theme, common theme with all Jedi. Whenever something bad happens to them, they just go away for like 20 years and then finally show up like, hey, hey, I'm ready to fight again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that's that's what his his uh, solace, his moment of solace that mm-hmm. he needed to stay on Kashyyyk, learn to reconnect with others, humans, uh, Wookiees, whatever, reconnect with the universe in his own way. It's kind of hippy dippy, but at the same time, spiritual. And then whenever, you know, Revan shows up, he's like, okay, now's my time to come back. I think that's the reason why he stayed there. Yeah, I can, I can buy into that. That's, that's kind of where I fall on that. Uh, what about you, yeah. Cassia? Do you, do you have any, uh, anything to add about the, uh, 20 year of exile on, uh, Kashyyyk? It was him wanting to stay there. If he wanted to leave, he could have. I think it was intentional. I think he just kind of felt guilt and wanted to kind of reconnect uh, with the Force, with himself, uh, recalibrate his path. And I think he knew, like, if the Force willed him to leave, he would know when to to leave. And that's why he ended up kind of joining uh, Revan's crew on the Ebon Hawk. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe I think he probably saw Revan coming through and uh, probably felt that the you know Force had put him there for twenty years so he could be there at that exact moment that Revan showed back up. I got a question for you guys, like for okay. for Jolie to be on Kashi for that long, and then whenever you finally find the star map, and it's just like, oh, uh, neural pattern recognize what? Mutt didn't recognize <laughs> me. Uh, that whole thing. How long do you think it took for Jolie to find that uh, star map? And how long do you think the time, the gap was between him finding it and then Revan finding it? Well, so I, 
I remember reading so I don't remember what website it was on. I don't I don't think it was on Wikipedia, um, but it was on something. And supposedly Joe Lee had. I don't. I don't know where this number comes from, or if there's any <laughs> sort of sort of a uh, fact based I thing in this, research. or if someone, <laughs> or if someone just just made it up. But it sounds like something that I could see Jolie doing. But supposedly he tried to unlock it like 157 times, or something yeah, that like seems that. about right. <laughs> uh, and and I could see that because when you meet him in the game, he's very stubborn, and I don't assume that he was probably any less stubborn when he you know crash landed. He was probably you know wandering around looking for you know scavenging for food or supplies or whatever, and stumbled across this thing. Ha ha! The source has been found of his grumpiness. <laughs> exactly, and I think you know he probably was like, I can get into this. You know, I was I was a Jedi. I'm very smart. I'm. I'm one with the force and I can get into this thing and you know, it doesn't open. So damn it. Why won't you open for me? Yeah. So we went, so we went back to his little hut and then you came back the next day and tried it again. And yeah, he probably, you know, tried it every time he walked by it. It probably made him mad. (laughs) And, and yeah. So, and then when Revan shows up and just opens it, um, my question, when he sees Revan, do you think that he recognized him right away? I think he recognized the, the, power around him like every port every uh, jedi sith all like it's all force users have a aura about them it's like you can sense the power level almost kind of dragon ball z ish uh if you can you can sense the power level within them but with jolie one thing people don't know about jolie is that he is very well researched so he knows a lot of things maybe not everything but he is very well versed in knowing things that are happening around him even if he's on Kashyyyk for 20 years he does keep up with you know the headlines but with Revan I I think he got a peek of what Revan looked like as a normal human before he went all dark side so Mm -hmm. I think he recognized him instantly and he was just like oh this is Revan but they're not calling him Revan like what's going you know what I'm going to follow this. Let's see what happens. I've sensed a presence since I since I landed or since they got here and now I see the source. So, let's see how this plays out. If I have to kill him, I will, but let's see how this plays out. So, I think he yeah. recognized him instantly. Same here, or at least recognized the the force presence. Uh, but I think like it was confirmed to him when it was like neural link recognized. It's like what? Yeah. Oh, damn it! <laughs> That's my favorite thing about him. Damn it! He just says it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what? What? I always imagine Jolie doing like that meme with the little puppet doing the side eye at Bastila every time <laughs> she's talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it's like, oh, you're gonna lecture Revan about the dark side, okay? It's like, girl, you don't even follow the code. What's wrong with you? You got a yellow lightsaber. That means you're a sentinel. You just destroy stuff. (laughs) Well, uh, Cassia, did you have anything to add about the uh, about this uh, star map question that uh, that Marcus Uh, posed here? So I'm kind of thinking when the Kenobi show comes out, we're gonna have it confirmed that uh, Obi-Wan is kind of make the breakthrough and, and see Qui-Gon, you know, at the culmination of the Kenobi show. And if not, like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, but... Um, it's a great I adventure. That's think, the point. Come on. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I kind of think, like, for me, like, I kind of think, like, Jolie kind of first stumbled on the uh, star map, like, five to ten years, like, into his exile. But okay. he definitely... He definitely tried to open it, um, like, I don't know, which is why I just think it would be funny to see, like, Jolie Bindo have to deal with, like, 
smartphones and Alexa. You know, and just be <laughs> Get like, him a jitterbug cell phone, the ones with the giant yeah. numbers on there. <laughs> He'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, which is why I, I want him to have to like deal with like T3 and it's like, oh, Astromex in my day knew what to do, you know, and it's like, I have to tell you all these little things, you know, like, I just think that'll be, it would be fun. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I think. All right. Well, that, that wrap, wraps up the, uh, the question portion there. Uh, Marcus, what we need to know though, is when is the, what's the deal with the second season of Hollow Chronicles? Uh, when's it coming? Uh, what's it going to be about? What can you tell us about it? Uh, you don't have to. You don't have to spill all the beans, but, but we we need we need some we need some uh, juicy info about this thing. Okay, so like I said, season two is coming, ladies and gentlemen. I am very excited for you to hear it because we're gonna get a little darker this time, and we're gonna things will be challenged. Uh, uh, Jolie will be challenged. You will n- meet Nayama. You'll get to know her. There's gonna be more with him and Sunri. But what I will say is that the most famous thing that Julie says whenever you're talking to him is like, oh, the whole thing with Revan and Malik, the most dangerous time since XR Kun. You'll get the definition of why it was the most dangerous, because you will be introduced to XR Kun. Ooh, okay. I'm really pumped. So. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that sounds excellent. And uh, definitely looking forward to that for sure. Oh yes. One question I have for you before we leave is Oh, okay. My fan cast for like a, a movie would be Keith David. Uh did did you have a fan cast, you know, besides myself uh, taking on the role yourself? <laughs> besides yourself, yeah. Oh uh, well there's no one else that can be Jolie at this time. It's just me. Um <laughs> uh, for Jolie, Keith David is a good choice i would say if he was about 15 20 years younger so he can jump around and stuff uh let's see um what's his name lance reddick i would love to see him as an older joe lee like that are y'all familiar with this actor uh let me let me pull him up Lance Reddick, if you've ever seen the john wick films he is the front desk guy that's like hello mr week or he plays my most favorite character in American Horror Story, uh, Papa Legba, the voodoo witch doctor in Coven. It's like, oh, uh, okay, yeah, that that guy is awesome. So you brought me a lot of things that you want me to do. I I love his voice so much. And I've, one of my most one thing I want to do for Halloween this year is be Papa Legba, his version of it. So that'd be cool. But I would choose him as Jolie older. For younger, uh, both. Honestly, you could do both. Just have him with the with the famous goatee and stuff whenever he's the older version. But yeah, Lance Reddick would probably be my choice. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to go back because I I really enjoy American Horror Story. I'm gonna have to go back and uh, rewatch it with you know, Jolie in mind and uh, check some of that out and see. Oh, what I think. much darker version of Jolie. The one steal your soul. Yeah. So, um, uh, real quick, my fan cast for Jolie is Lenny James, uh, who is uh, he plays Morgan in The Walking Dead. Probably most. Oh yeah, I, I heard your fan cast on him. Yes, that would be a most, great choice. He'd most great. famously, and that was the only thing that I'd ever really seen him in. But um, my wife and I just started watching uh, Line of Duty, which is a show out of the UK. It's like a police 
a drama kind of thing and he's uh, one of the leads in that um it really excellent but yeah i think that i think that's my pick for uh fan cast for jolie you know if it's not going to be marcus so <laughs> if marcus watched? is <laughs> if marcus is too expensive then we'll go for uh I, Lenny like i said i don't care i will do it for cheap <laughs> just give me the suit i will do it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, speaking of uh, cop dramas uh, for the UK, kind of like a side note. Uh, did you ever watch Luther? Yes. Oh, God, yes. Okay. Then we're on the same page, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. And that's um, that's uh, Idris Elba, right? Isn't yeah. that one? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Best awesome. Yeah. Batman yeah. and Joker kind of relationship right there. Mm. Yeah. The UK dramas, though, they trick you because you really start getting into it. And then you're like, wait, there's only like three episodes of this. Hold on. <laughs> and they're all amazing. <laughs> they're all amazing. I feel amazing. like there's a joke in The Good Place about it. It's like, oh, this is a famous British show. It ran for 10 years. They almost made 20 episodes. You know? <laughs> 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 yeah, basically. <sighs> well, so so you got a busy slate here getting this uh, second season of Hollow Chronicles going. Do you have anything else in the works or is it just is it? Uh, working on that and keeping up with the uh, movie reviews. Uh, theaters are kind of opening back up, and so we're starting to get some new releases. Is oh, yeah. do you have a big a big slate of films you uh, have lined up here to watch and review? Absolutely. By the time this comes out, uh, Conjuring the Conjuring Three: The Devil Made Me Do It uh, mm. would have came mm-hmm. out. Um, there are a few films that I got a taste of a secret screening that I got to see. I can't say which ones just yet, but eventually, uh, whenever the great thing is about secret screenings, you see them whenever they're almost done pretty much, but they're done, but some CG is missing, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's always good to see it again when it's finally ready for the public, just to see if it's the same kind of, uh, influence and the same kind of thought process that you have for your review. But Mm -hmm. the one that I did see, it was pretty much done. So there's not really much to change. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of movies coming this summer and uh, the whole thing going on with HBO Max where you can watch movies at home. There are a few that are going to stay and watch at home like The Conjuring because horror movies to watch on th- in theaters with people is cool, but some people just can't be quiet while talking through some of the scares. So, right. this, is the, this is the only way I can make it through so I can just have to talk through it. Ah! You know, kind of situation. It's like, no, 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 no. Stay home. Um but yeah, uh, film reviews and stuff like that, that's all I got going, aside from uh, beefing up episodes for Hollow Chronicles. It's all written, I just gotta beef up some of the episodes, and then I can get back to recording. So, hopefully, I wanna say, uh, tentative is mid-July, latest is uh, start of August. Okay. For awesome. season two. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that, so... Uh, Marcus, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. We really appreciate you taking the time out to come on and uh, talk with us about about your uh, audio drama and about, you know, all things Jolie Bindo. Oh, of course. Anytime, guys. If y'all need me to come back, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, yes. And, uh, great to have you on. And thank you yeah. guys for having me. Seriously, this this has been amazing. Yeah. Well, Marcus, uh, before we head out, why don't you uh, tell everyone uh, where they can find you, the website and stuff like that? All right. Well, basically, you can find all my social media and every which way, every corner of the Internet. You can find me uh, at the Marcus Mosley on Instagram and Twitter. But my main hub, the main hub is going to be the Mosley Review dot com on the Internet, wherever you choose your phone, Android, Apple, all that stuff. Just look me up. The the Mosley Review dot com. Also, I almost forgot to mention, if you are an alien fan, if you've seen Alien and Aliens, 
I also have a miniseries, a horror-themed miniseries, based in that world called The Last Survivor of Hadley's Hope. I highly recommend oh. it. Oh, yes. It was something that right when I got finished uh, doing the first season of Hollow Chronicles, I was like, you know what? What else can I do? What can I do? This this worked. It's like, oh, wait. Aliens. It's like, I, I have an idea. There's there's a hook there. And then there you go. To give you a slight tease, um, it is set in between Alien and Aliens. You follow a engineer that worked on the colony of Hadley's Hope. So through his experience... You find out what it was like on that installation while the xenomorphs were taking and cocooning people and through his Ooh. experience. Will he survive? Will he make it out? You'll see. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to give that one a listen because I I love the Alien franchise and it's so atmospheric. So I think that uh, that will be uh, one that will be fun to check out. Last uh, Survivor of Hadley's Hope is available on iTunes, uh, Spotify, all major streaming platforms, including my website if you can't find it anywhere else. All right. Awesome. awesome. And thank you again. And thanks everyone for listening. And we'll catch you next time. All right, guys. See you later. And you can find us on Instagram at Evan Hawk Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram. It's at Astro underscore Droid underscore. The Evan Hawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Schuerman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This episode of the Up and Hawk podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>